0: We are proud to announce a new sponsor for this podcast, Auggies Locker Room. Auggie's Locker Room, which is located less than a mile away from Notre Dame Stadium, was named the best Notre Dame's collectible shop in the country. This shop is amazing. If you are a passionate Notre Dame fan and are looking for that special Notre Dame piece to complete your rec room, Auggies is the place to go. They have a wide selection of Notre Dame stadium pieces, jerseys, helmets, autographs, and one-of-a-kind rock knee items. They have an exclusive Joe Montana signed items. If Auggies doesn't have it in store, he will find it for you. Visit Augie'sLockerRoom.com or stop in at 1811 South Bend Avenue and see the vintage helmet display dating back to 1890. Augie's lockerroom.com or call
1: 574-277-NDND. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Touchdown Chris Tyree! Yes! 98 yards! On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wide open! Touchdown motor Dame! Lorenzo Styles. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett my co-host for Game Day Sports Feed powered by Michelob Ultra on Saturdays including this Saturday live from Notre Dame Stadium from 4 until 6:30 is Tyler Horka the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated blueandgold.com he also joins me every Monday at this time to recap the most recent Notre Dame football contest which was a 28-20 win over BYU in Las Vegas on Saturday night. So Tyler, a lot of good things to talk about from this game and then kind of those head-scratching moments for the defense once again. Just offer your perspective on how much your opinion of Drew Pine has changed from when he was stumbling along in the first few drives against California in his first start of his career with the Irish to a quarterback that right now is on pace to set the Notre Dame single-season record for completion percentage and passing rating?
0: I'll preface this with, and I think the listeners out there know, I've always been pretty high on Drew Pine for just what he is. I think he's a guy that can come into a situation like this and provide a lot of moxie. I know a lot of people who are watching from afar, and even people who cover the program every day like we do, are saying, man, this guy just has something that is clicking with Notre Dame, and it's leading Notre Dame to victories. We've all seen that, but even when he went out there against Cal and threw the ball in the dirt to Lorenzo Styles, threw a ball in the dirt to Michael Mayer, and missed Michael Mayer on a really skinny post over the middle of the field that every quarterback in college football should hit, at that moment in time, I was even thinking to myself, well, as much much moxie as he has and stuff, if he can't make these throws, he's not going to work out at Notre Dame, and I know it was a very small sample size it was one quarter worth of football. He lost a fumble in that quarter as well, but it wasn't going well. And I mean, people were clamoring for true freshman, Steve Angeli. It, it got to that point. It was on the message board at blue I probably even thought it. I was like, man, they're going to lose this thing if they don't, if, if he doesn't play better, if they don't make a change, well, guess what? He made, he started playing better and it changed the Notre Dame offense. And here we are. Three games later, and we're we're saying a lot of really great things about Drew Pine. He's three and zero as a starter, eight touchdowns, one interception. You mentioned the completion percentage, which is over seventy percent. He's doing a lot of really fantastic things. So, did I think it was going to be he was going to be able to do this? Probably not. But I've always thought that he had a little bit of this in him. So I don't think my opinion on him has changed. But I can tell you for a fact that. We've got thousands of subscribers at blueandgold.com and their opinions have changed because I think a majority of them thought that, hey, this is a guy that lost the starting quarterback battle to Tyler Buckner, which was asked in Marcus Freeman's press conference today. Drew Pine has played so well that the whole hindsight thing has come up where a reporter felt the need to ask, hey, did you guys make the wrong decision in naming Tyler Buckner the starter over Drew Pine? That's an entirely different conversation. and If you want to have it, we can, but... To wrap all of that up, Drew Pine is playing that well to where people are saying, hey, this guy should have been the dude from day one.
1: Well, I will say this, Tyler. When we had initial discussions during fall camp, when I would ask you, hey, is there a quarterback competition right now, or is that all just for show and Tyler Buckner is going to be the starting quarterback, I remember you saying twice early on in fall camp that – hey, this might be a closer competition than everybody thinks. I know you were really impressed with the way Pine was looking early on in fall camp. So I guess based on what you saw and your opinions, you're probably not overly surprised that Pine has looked this way because – I got the impressions from your thoughts that you felt like it was a pretty close competition at that time, but I think at the end of the day, they had a vision of what they wanted the offense to look like, and Tyler Buckner offered that, even though I think we all wondered how good of a passer Tyler Buckner is, and unfortunately, due to his injury, I still don't think we know that answer to that question.
0: No, we don't know that answer, and that's why it's unfair to say, to use what Drew Pine has done in the last three games and say that he should have been the guy from day one. We did see Tyler Buckner for two games, but I don't know. I, something was off about that Notre Dame offense, that offense. The offensive line was playing terrible. They couldn't run the ball, so that obviously hurts the quarterback. I doubt. think they were just in a little bit of a rut early with Tyler Buckner, and I think it's a little unfair to pin all of that on him. He did miss some deep balls down the field, but you know, he had that pass to Braden Lindsay. I, I can't really get that one out of my mind against Ohio State. I'm, I'm sitting here saying – if you can make that throw over and over and do the things that you can do with your legs, then that's exactly – you mentioned a vision. That's exactly what Notre Dame envisioned when they named Tyler Buckner the starter, but then he goes out there against Marshall and, and it just wasn't there. So are we – if he never injures his shoulder, are we sitting here today on October 10th talking about Tyler Buckner as a starting quarterback for Notre Dame? We could be. Is Notre Dame 3-2? and two? I'm not sure. That's all – hypothetical and that's probably why it's a little unfair to ask the question to Marcus Freeman that that got asked today because he can't say yeah we made a mistake because we like like you said Dan we still don't know what Tyler Buckner is as a quarterback and you know unfortunately for him losing a whole season like this it it could put him in a position where we never find that out at a place like Notre Dame I'm not saying Drew Pine is going to be the starter next year but there is so much that can happen between October 10th, 2022, and the beginning of September in 2023, whether that's a transfer or a recruit comes in for the class of 2023. Maybe Drew Pine, <laughs> we're sitting here saying maybe he is the answer. I'm not sure. A lot of things can happen, but, you know, it's just it, – it, it's a terrible thing that happened to Tyler Buckner, but Drew Pine has stepped up and done everything that Notre Dame has asked him to do, and the Fighting Irish are 3-2 and two with the chance to to be – you know, maybe even six and two by the time Clemson comes down to about a month from now.
1: Yeah, I think they will be six and two. Tyler Horka is my guest, the beat reporter for Notre Dame football at Blue and Gold Illustrated. Check out his work at blueandgold.com. Every football game I watch, no matter the level of play, I see this. So this is not necessarily a criticism of Tommy Reese, but how many times do you turn on a football game? It is fourth and one, third and one, and a team is in the shotgun. And we also see situations where you never have the quarterback under center in those spots, which seems like the likely thing to do because it brings the sneak into play. It brings that running back going downhill, getting the football. He's got some momentum, started going into that pile of players. And Notre Dame, fourth and one, deep in BYU territory, goes to the shotgun. There was a moment they had third and two from the three, and they take out Audric Estime. I thought they had two chances to get three yards to get a touchdown. They put in lighter running backs. So I'm just going to narrow it down to this. There are times the red zone... Decisions. I'm not a big fan of the Michael Mayer screenplay is good from 15 yards out. There's just not enough space. The defenders are too close to the line of scrimmage, Tyler, to call something right. like that. So I'm red zone has been a problem for a couple of years. I know it's getting a little better this year, but I was really frustrated watching that game because I thought they missed some opportunities. Let me just narrow it down to this. Audric estimate, why is he not your choice inside the five-yard line?
0: absolutely and i tweeted it in real time and you might have as well i know we texted about it actually um why aren't you using Audrick Estime on third and two i'm pretty sure i have to go back and look at the drive chart and the plays but i think he had a really nice run and yes you're not going to tell me Audrick Estime. you know to get yeah to get notre dame down there you're not going to tell me he was gassed after that run we just saw this guy run about 10 times in the fourth quarter alone against north carolina and you know, save for the first fumble of his football-playing career, he would have scored a touchdown on that drive, too. And I, he's not going to fumble the ball down there. Though. So there's, there's a lot of reasons that I was saying run object Estime, and then, and then, like you're saying, on fourth and one, don't run object Estime out of the shotgun. I, I, I totally agree. We watch a lot of football. And there's a lot of times where a running back gets a handoff out of the shotgun, and you could already tell that it, it's going nowhere. The yeah. defensive line is collapsing. There, there's There's no push, whatever it is you could tell when he gets the ball back there that you know he's going to get stuffed and have we seen running backs get stuffed while a quarterback is under center absolutely but I think you take your chances there and like you said you give a 230 pound running back ahead of steam instead of hey here's the ball uh, you've got to run three or four yards five yards before you even get to the line of scrimmage and then you got to go get that extra yard the yard that we need so uh, I'm not I'm, I'm not sure about that I didn't like the call and then to your point about the, the tunnel screen, because that's what it was. It was a tunnel screen. Yeah. What What is the point of a tunnel, right? It's, it's to get from one uh, point to another, usually a pretty long distance, and to pop out on the other side. When you're inside – I don't know where Notre Dame was. Were they on the two-yard line?
1: Yeah, it was inside the two. I mean,
0: that is not a very long distance to get to. So what, what kind of tunnel are you trying to create there? I don't think a tunnel was necessary, so – I was very – I'll use the word flabbergasted by the tunnel screen. I, I love tunnel screens. Use them at the 50-yard line, though, to pick up 20 yards and, and get a drive going. Don't use them in goal situation. I know the thought process is this guy is unstoppable. Get the ball in his hands. Okay, yeah, he did his job. He caught the ball. But after that, I mean, if there are three defensive backs, maybe even a linebacker was in on that, they're going to come crashing down, and they did. Even Michael Mayer is not going to you know, carry four guys into the end zone. So it was very perplexing. I was flabbergasted. I mean, Notre Dame is talking about a big time win by multiple scores if they don't have to kick a field goal of twenty yards, a field goal of twenty six yards. They they turn the ball over on downs inside the ten yard line as well. It was you score two touchdowns there, you know, or maybe even one, and you're not sweating out the game. You need a fourth and one stop there late in the you know, with four minutes left. So red zone offense. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
1: And another factor, they were chasing points in the third quarter. They should have been up nine in the fourth quarter where you're not sweating. Instead, they went for two, missed, and you're only up eight, and the game was still alive. At that particular time, I hope someone burns that two-point conversion book because it, it causes more headaches than I think benefits a lot of football teams. But here's the good news, Tyler. Amongst all that red zone talk, man, the offensive line continues to get better and better. We both felt like that was going to be reality from the Carolina game. That wasn't a mirage. And that group took another huge step forward, which is so promising considering some of the opponents they have coming up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know who had his best game of the year by pro football focuses measures and just by my eye test as well was Blake Fisher, Good. the sophomore right tackle. And that that's huge for Notre Dame because they went through four games and they were saying, oh, no, what, why is this guy not playing? Well, I've written multiple times at blueandgold.com. I was like, well, he started half a dozen games in his college football career. Let's cut this guy some slack. I think you saw a little bit of a comfortability factor with him, which is huge. Garrett Patterson has settled in at left guard. I think the more that we don't talk about Josh Lugg, the better because I don't know if he's one of the flashier offensive linemen that's going to make you know those sexy blocks that you see like a guy mm-hmm. like Joe Alt make or, or maybe even Blake Fisher. He, that's not Josh Lugg's game. So the less we're talking about him, the better because that means he's doing his job. And You know who else fits into that category is Zeke Correll. We're not talking about Zeke Correll a whole lot because he's doing his job. He, he's not making those plays where you're shaking your head or scratching your head saying how did he let this guy go or why didn't he pick that up and how do you let this guy go right through the a gap or or whatever it is so absolutely that's a line that's that's playing better Marcus Freeman said it today he said it after the game that group continues to progress and that's so important for Notre Dame because it all starts up front it starts up front for any football team but the way this team is constructed with the wide receiver issues that still sort of remain and The way that Notre Dame wants to run the ball, you have to have a strong offensive line, and the offensive line is definitely improving as the season goes on.
1: So help me and help Irish fans try to figure out how good the Irish defense is, because Tyler, there are points of games where you're like, this unit can be dominant, and they shut the door. Now, they didn't have many chances to play defense because the offense had the ball so much, but... When you think about BYU only having the football for 19 minutes, they scored 20 points on what, 43 plays? So they were very efficient when they had the football, if you break down the numbers. But then there are breakdowns. The long touchdown pass, safety blitz. We've heard that before. Breakdown. There was the third down and 18 throw up the white flag running play by BYU, deeper in their own territory. They get the first down and then a bad run fit. They get a 28 yard touchdown run later in the drive. So, As you talked about, this game could have been a 20, 25-point win. It's not all on the defense. There were moments where the defense, again, as we talked about on Saturday, they have those letdown moments. So how do you assess how well the group played on Saturday?
0: I would say that it's really impressive. Outside of Cody Epps going for, I think it was like five catches and 100 yards, BYU was another one of those teams that had a lot of guys. Mm -hmm. Puka Nakua. Puka Nakua is a guy that was healthy. He was playing so many weapons that could beat you. And then at the end of a 60-minute football game, you're sitting there thinking, well, we really only got beat by that guy, and he didn't beat us because we got more points on the scoreboard than them at the end of the game, so it's, so it's all good. I think Notre Dame has found a really good way of somehow doing that. Josh Downs catches a couple touchdowns at in the North Carolina game, but then you look up and he only has 36 mm-hmm. yards, and you say, okay, they did their job on that guy. He put up a couple touchdowns. Yeah, North Carolina was going to do that anyway. So the head-scratching moments, they have to cease. You you cannot let a team gain 20 yards on third and 18 from their own five when they're really mm. just trying to give some, some room for the punter. That's all they were trying to do. They were in a simple little outside stretch there to to the right side, and somehow 20 yards later they're they're moving the change, and they eventually score a touchdown on that drive. That cannot happen. Those are the type of – plays and drives that I guarantee you Marcus Freeman is up at night thinking about those. Al Golden should be up at night thinking about those. So the way I would contextualize this Notre Dame defense is they're pretty stout. They're pretty strong. They make a lot of really good plays. They get off the field a lot, but they just have to put it all together and putting it all together is getting more than the gifted interception that Tariq Bracy was given on the very first play of the game. You know, that's, that's a gift. I think Clarence Lewis has to make that interception that would that would have also been a gift. that's six points because he's in the end zone. He could have ran all the way back to South Bend from Las Vegas <laughs> and caught that ball. so you have to capitalize on the takeaways. I guess it's only two, right because they only had the interception in that game, and I know there was a fourth down stop, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was the only true turnover that yeah. they, they generated. and
1: the safety too. We'll throw that in there
0: the safety the safety yeah the, exactly so so there are plays that that they're making. They just have to kind of put it all together, and no team is going to make every single play over the course of a 60-minute game. But like you said, BYU only had the ball for 20 minutes, so for them to be able to score on a 95-yard drive or whatever it was, you have to eliminate that, because we've seen that time and time again. Ohio State did it. Marshall did it. Cal was threatening to do it if that guy can catch the ball on his back at the end of the game there, so... There's just some things that they have to clean up. But overall, I mean, they're playing pretty sound. And if I were a Notre Dame fan, I like the way that the defense is playing Mm -hmm. because you're sitting there thinking, you know, we're not getting terribly beat by any one guy in any of these games.
1: Very good point. Hey, one final question for you. With the way Jack Kaiser has played, being a middle linebacker, of course he's been a rover, I'm not sure his coverage skills makes him perfect for that spot, but he's got great athleticism. He's more powerful than you think. You know, he's been really good playing inside, so there's only so many guys that can play inside. You've got Kaiser, Bertrand, and Leofau. Are we getting to the point where one of those guys, and it's not going to be Kaiser, is going to be coming off the field a little more than he has so far this year. Is Kaiser kind of pushing the needle a little bit?
0: I think so, and the guy that's been coming off a little bit more has been Bo Bauer, and that's a guy that I've been pretty high on, but Bo Bauer's snaps have considerably gone down, and like you said, there's, I mean, there's really only one guy that's out there playing the middle linebacker position at any given time, and we've seen Kaiser rotate in there at that spot a lot. I was re-watching the game, and I really, I think the reason why Notre Dame, you know, his natural position is Rover because he's probably even better than Merrick Leofield in this aspect, better at crashing down on the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. and playing downhill. I think he's Notre Dame's best downhill linebacker, and like you said, that, a lot of that is because of the athleticism. He was able to do that really well lined up from the middle of the field. I think one of those tackles for loss that he made was basically he just rushed the A-gap the center and the left guard said, man, I don't have anything for this guy. And he made a tackle on the running back right at the line of scrimmage. So he's probably been Notre Dame's best linebacker. I really liked what he was doing in a nickel set with Prince Colley as mm-hmm. well. Prince Colley made a tackle on a tight end who caught a pass, and we saw Prince Colley make a sack. So, yeah, I mean, there's only so many reps to give out to linebackers, especially when Notre Dame is playing as much nickel as it is. Tariq Bracey sounds like he might even play against Stanford. I think that's Notre Dame's best defensive look when they have five defensive backs on the field, including Gracie. And then you've only got two linebacker spots, and right now you have to give one of those to Kaiser. So who else is going to play with him? It's been a lot of Maris Leofal, obviously. I think Prince Colley is working into that conversation. And and the odd man out has kind of been Bo Bauer, as good as he is, because I think he's a really good playmaker. But, I mean, there's only so many reps that you can give to those guys. And, And Prince Colley has... Been on the you know short stick side of that as well he's only played 18 snaps all year because of that so yeah when when you say moving the needle it's definitely jack kaiser right now
1: and bertrand's kind of opened the door by those two targeting calls giving people opportunities exactly. to get on the field a little bit more all right what's happening this week at blue and gold illustrated blue and gold.com well
0: i mentioned prince collie and i'm working on a story where i try to analyze I, I try to pick one thing from from every game and kind of go in deep on it and Prince Golly only played eight snaps. Well, I'm going back and and looking at all of those eight snaps from an analytical perspective, and that'll be up on the site in the morning. Obviously, we have coverage from Marcus Freeman's press conference today, and then once Tuesday hits, we we really try to dive in deep on the opponent, so we'll have a lot of Stanford stuff up tomorrow, and it's kind of crazy that after this weekend we'll be at the halfway point of the season, but it seems to always fly by, and blueandgold.com is the the place to spend the Notre Dame football season. There's nobody covering... Notre Dame athletics, and especially Notre Dame football like we do.
1: Tyler, good to be with you as always. I appreciate your analysis, and we will talk to you at Notre Dame Stadium on Saturday when game day sports speed is on the air from 4 to 6.30.
0: Yep, see you there. It's supposed to be a little chillier than it is today, so I'm going to try to soak that in the rest of the afternoon.
1: (laughs) Sounds good. We'll talk to you then.
0: All right, see you, there.
1: Thank you so much. Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. His thoughts on this Irish win over BYU. 5.56 at WSBT. They have an exclusive Joe Montana sign.